Hey, when we've done that, if you have a Bible, open it anywhere you like. It's all pre-blessed. Close your eyes, pick a scripture, and it will be a good one. Because <laughs> they're all good ones. No, of course, don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, hey, in a moment, I want to go to Genesis 12, Ephesians 1, and also Numbers 13 and 14. Four passages. I began a couple of weeks ago talking about inheritance. Would you say the word inheritance? Come on, God has an inheritance for you. You guys are going to make me work hard today, aren't you? I can, I can tell. You've got that sort of New England winter, hunker down, scarf. You know. It's funny how people come out of hibernation in about April in New England. Come on, I'm not, I don't, there are no sleepy seasons in heaven. Hallelujah. God has an inheritance for you. He has an inheritance, Jesus obviously is our inheritance. He has an inheritance, undefiled, incorruptible, stored up for us in heaven. There's an inheritance throughout all, hev all of eternity that we will live in. But I tell you, God's actually got an inheritance for you here and now on the earth. Thank you. Boom. God's got a plan for our life. And I think one of the, I really mean this, guys, one of the things that absolutely breaks my heart is when I see somebody just wasting their life away. I see somebody using the most precious resource we have, which is not money, it's time, doing nothing with their life. That's, that's one of the saddest things in the world. I don't know about you, but I have an inheritance radar. Like when I get around people, I like to give them a little MRI. Like <laughs> and uh, I, I, I have a bunch of questions. I love sneakily asking the Lord every time I get around them. I love saying to the Lord, Lord, what are you in this person? I love saying, Lord, what do they know about you that I don't know that I can learn? And I love getting around people and saying, what's your inheritance in them? Because Jesus has got this humongous, great inheritance, but he split it up into little pieces and put it in every one of his children. And I love saying, Lord, what is the, what is the part of your inheritance you put in Gail or Kathy yeah, or Debbie? And I, and I really mean that. It is a heartbreaking thing to see somebody can I, I, again, hear my heart when I say this. I'm not trying to criticize everybody. But it just it really tears me up and tears me apart when I see somebody and they think the goal of life is just to pay their bills. Now, some people haven't even figured out that one yet. But, but, the, but the goal of life is just to, you know, meet, eke our way through life, pay our bills, save enough money for retirement, and just kind of make it through. God didn't put you on the earth to make it through. And I, I find it, again, I'm honestly not thinking of anybody in the room here, but I find it really sad at the end of somebody's life when, when all they did was just survive and make it through. And God gave them a mission. God had a plan. God had a purpose for them. Don't go there, but Acts um, 13.36 says, David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation and then went to the grave. At the end of Paul's life, Paul looked back and Paul said, yeah, 
I've run the race. I've kept the faith. My younger brother, Glenn, was with my father in England when my father went to heaven in 2012. And, you know, he was sort of sleeping a lot the last day or two. You know, some of you have been there as people step into eternity. And just before he died, he kind of, it's like he sort of revived, stood up. He grabbed the hold of my brother's hand and he said that verse. He said, I've run the race. And he said, I've kept the faith and I love my Jesus. And he blessed my brother and went to heaven. Come on, that's a good way of going. And I'm not, I am interested in paying my bills. Like, I, I, amen. But I'm interested in more than that. Yeah. I think God's got an inheritance for us. And if Satan will, if he can't get you off into sin or foolishness, he'll get you into survival mode. Sometimes he gets us into building the wrong inheritance. I've seen so many preachers who try to build a monument to themselves, some wonderful building or something that they think looks good, and 10 years later, it's dust, it's red or whatever. I tell you, our inheritance is eternal. It's glorious. And my challenge for you today, if you only grab two or three things I'm going to say today, grab a hold of this one. It's really powerful. God wants us to be inheritance-minded, not need-minded. It's not wrong to have needs, but it's really the baby stage of life. Babies are very good at telling people their needs. How can anything that small make that much noise? It's a mystery. Amen. Preacher. <laughs> How can this like, tiny little baby fill the house with noise? And, and it's not wrong for a baby to go, I've got need. And everybody stops and we all, do you know that's not God's best for you and I? And I think we can come to the Lord saying, God, I have a need. But it's better when we come to him saying, I have an inheritance. I know my inheritance. Lord, you mean you don't have needs? I'm not going to talk to you about my needs. I'm going to talk to God about my needs at the right time. But your Father knows what you have need of. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all your needs will be taken care of. Autopilot, without you even thinking about it. And I really mean this. I think we should have this inheritance-minded mindset, forgive me, as we walk through life. I, I believe I've got an inheritance in New England. I really mean that. There's some places I've been on planet Earth, and I'm like, what am I doing here, Lord? And the Lord says, I don't know. I didn't send you. And it's like, been there, done that, that's nice, but I, I, I don't have a calling there. There's other places you put your feet in the ground, and there's a connection there in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, the, day, the first day I ever came to preach in America, I mentioned that, I, I flew into JFK, a wonderful cowboy called Tom, Tom and Heidi, used to work for Brian Simmons, picked me up in Kennedy, drove me to a hotel in New Haven where I was going to stay. As I walked through the hotel, Dan Lee, who was the pastor of this church at the time, was standing in the hotel foyer. He said, you don't know me, I don't know you, but God knows both of us. He says, God sent me to welcome you and open the doors to New England. Hallelujah. Come on, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to know you're in your inheritance. And I, I want to speak today really briefly about having a, having a vision for our inheritance. If you have a Bible, let's start in Genesis. Genesis 12. Hmm. 
Genesis 12 verse 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. I'm going to keep reading. But let me say this. There's a time to leave your parents' house. <laughs> and all the parents said. <laughs> Dylan, you're okay for a few years, but no. <laughs> There's a time to leave mom and dad's house. You don't have to do it too early, but uh, I should, I'm trying, should I tell this story? No, no maybe not. But, uh, I, I know a certain family that will be nameless in England who had three boys. And uh, one of them, at about age 30, the mom and dad gathered around and said, we love you and we bless you, but it's time to leave. <laughs> we will help you set up your home, but uh, amen. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the Bible says, for this cause will a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. How many of you know... Has anybody ever got married and moved in with somebody's mom or dad for an extended period of time? Good. Don't try it. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> There's something about starting your own house, your own... I'm not saying you can never do that. I'm saying you can't do it long term. That's my point. And I tell you, there's actually got to be a leaving and cleaving. God said to Abraham, before... I can talk to you about your inheritance. You've got to leave what you think is your inheritance, your dad's house, your place of protection, Ur of the Chaldeans, where they worshipped Bel Allah, the moon god, which is really Allah. It's the home of Islam in a way. Come out of that people to a place I will show you. And then the Lord said to Abraham, let me keep reading Abram at the time. Uh, get out of your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. I tell you guys, you may disagree, but that scripture is still running today. And today, if you watch the news, you go home and you look at Meet the Press or I don't, whatever they have on a Sunday... Do you know the people who bless the seed of Abraham will be blessed? And the people who curse the seed of Abraham, it's not like God doesn't love them. God says, I will curse you. And look what happens to nations when a nation blesses Israel. I didn't say it agrees with every little thing Israel does. I don't. I look at something Israel does and go, but, but I still bless them. And the Lord said to Abraham, I want you to see this, three things. He said, I will go, go out of your father's house to a land I will show you. Say show you. He says, I will make you. Say make you. A great nation. And then he says, I will bless you. Say bless you. So the Lord said to Abraham, show you, make you, and bless you. Show you, make you, and bless you. I think one of our problems in the body of Christ is we want the blessing. And, and we miss out on two things. Number one, God wants to open our eyes and give us a vision. God wants to show us something. Before God will give you something, He'll talk to you about it. He'll show it to you. When God gives you a word, it's not so you can put it on the fridge door and think one day that will happen. It's so you put it in your heart, in your mind, in your mouth, so you start imagining it and thinking about, thinking about it. We don't have a provision problem in the body of Christ. We have a vision problem. I think provision is the easiest thing in town. 
I don't think in ministry, in, in many, many years of ministry, I've never, ever struggled with, the, with provision. I've never gone to the Lord, God, we don't have the money to do this. If you'll get God's vision, He'll give you the provision you need. And we don't need so much to seek after the blessing. What we need to do is ask God to show us something, to give us a vision, to open our eyes. And I, I want to challenge you guys. I believe even for this year, the Lord wants you to have a vision for your life. How do you want to walk with God this year? How do you want to, like John says, walk the face of the earth? What's your life going to look like? I want to have the best year I've ever had with God this year. I tell you, I'm going to walk with the Lord this year. I'm going to walk in the high places of the earth with Jesus this year. And everything Satan throws at me, I mean, I'm going to like boom, kick it out the way with the Word of God. But every attack is going to push me up higher. Yeah. I mean, it, it really grieves me to see people. Sometimes, you know, Reinhard Bonnke used to talk about submarine Christians. He said, on Sunday they surface and they're full of the glory of God. And he said, just on Monday they plummet to great depths. And they plummet the depths of the ocean. And uh, I meet people who, there are some people I meet, I'm afraid to ask them how they're doing in case they tell me. Do you know what? I don't mean this in a funny way, and I'm sure I can fail at it at times, but I don't want to have, I don't do bad days. I don't wake up and go, oh, I wonder what kind of day it's going to be today. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Anybody remember that song, whatever will, what's the next line? The future's not ours to see. Okay, so, I mean, literally, que sera, we'd say in French, same thing. You know, God doesn't say get up and wonder, well, what kind of day it will be. He says get up and get a vision for my word. Today's the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today my God will supply all of your needs. Today I'm going to walk in faith and victory. Are you, are you saying you can never sin, Graham? Well, no, I can sin. I can be dumb, but I can also believe the promises of God. That he that, are born is, he that is, he that, slow down, boy. He that is born of God does not sin. Romans 6.14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, that's your problem. What are you saying? You know, if every day, 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, awake to righteousness and you will not sin. So if every day we'll get up and not, not I wonder what, what kind of day I'm going to have. If every day we'll get up and we'll put on the new man, we'll say, I am, I'm a child of God. My father loves me. I'm living above the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. I'm living in God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny. And I tell you, every day we should have that vision. How does the Lord want us to live that day? I'll show you, I'll make you, I'll bless you. What you see changes you on the inside. A lot of people want transformation, and they run from one ministry to another. They have hands laid on them until the hair falls off their head. They have oil, enough oil poured on them to fill a, a, a SUV kind of thing. And, uh, you know, how do you get changed? You get a word from God that says something, and then you see yourself through that word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let me read another story here from the, the Word of God. I want to go to Numbers chapter, where is that? I believe it's 13. I know this is a long passage. Let me just pick a few. How many of you know the story of the 12 spies? Hmm. Do you know? 
So the Lord has led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the desert. They're walking around, and the Lord's been telling them about the inheritance He's got for them, the promised land. I think most of you will know the story. And before the Lord sends them in to possess the land, the Lord says to them, He says to Moses, I want you to choose 12 leaders from every tribe and send them in as spies, and they'll spy out the land. They'll tell you what the land looks like. How many of you know the story? Raise your hand. How many of you know the story of the two guys who came back with a good report? How many of you know the names of the 10 guys who gave a bad report? There's 10 of them. How many can give me one name from one of the spies who gave a bad report? They're all there in, in Numbers 13. Every single name. None of you? Not one? You can't give me one name? Neither can I. You know, none of us right now in kids' church, nobody will be teaching our kids. Here's the names of the people with no faith. Here's the name of the people with no vision. They, they're in the Bible for eternity, but we forget about them. We don't celebrate them, but we all know about Joshua and Caleb, don't we? Come on, let me read a few verses. In Numbers 13, uh, verse 1, says, The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each of the tribes of their fathers, you will send a man, everyone a leader amongst them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them were the heads of the children of Israel. Now, these were their names, and it lists their names. For the sake of time, I'll go down to verse 17. It says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. I'm going to keep reading, but can I say this? God wants you to spy out your inheritance. He wants you to take a peek at it. Come on, I got this vague, fuzzy inheritance. God wants you to know what it looks like. Go get your binoculars. Go have a look. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said, go up this way to the south, go to the mountains, see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are weak or strong or few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not, be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land because the time of it was the season of first grapes. Verse 26, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And then they told Moses and said, we went to the land you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants, the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites who dwell in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites who dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites who dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the people who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they gave the children of Israel a bad report. The King James says an evil report 
of the land which they had spied out. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw the giants and descendants of Anak come came from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were. Mm. Just real quickly, Numbers 14, the next chapter, and verse 26, as the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, said, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which, which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Hmm. Come on, long passage I know, but uh, Moses chooses 12 spies. They go into the land. I want you to see this. They all see the same things. It's not like 10 of them went south and two of them went north. They all took the same bus tour. They all saw the same things. And yet, come on, let me give you another key if you're writing notes down. You don't see with your eyes, you perceive with your heart. It's possible for two people to see the exact same thing and yet see completely different things. The ten spies went in, and all they saw were walled cities and giants, and it's too hard, and we can't do it. Mo, uh, Joshua and Caleb went in, and all they saw were inheritance. They, they really didn't, they didn't contradict anything the other guys said. They saw the walls, they saw the giants, they saw the fortified cities, but they saw God. And they came and they said, we can do this. If God be for us, game over. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. We can't do this, but God is with us. And with our God, we can be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. And I, I think it's incredible that the Lord actually said to the people of Israel, whatever you have spoken in my hearing, that will I do. To the people who said, we can't take it, the Lord said, that's your portion. That's going to be your history. That's going to be your future. To Joshua and Caleb who said, we can do this. The Lord said, right. You're going to have, even if you have to spend 40 more years hanging out in the desert, you'll get your mountain. You'll get your inheritance. And I believe the Lord is looking for a people in this day and this hour who are inheritance-minded. I think the Lord's looking for a people of vision. You know, I spoke about Reinhard Bonnke earlier. He's one of my heroes, and it's worth reading his biography. In the 1970s, he was a young missionary he spent 10 years as a missionary, probably led 40 people to Jesus, maybe 50. You know, it wasn't this world-changing thing. But it's like God gave him this vision of a blood-washed Africa. And he'd said, from Cape Town to Cairo, that's the tip of Africa, southern Africa, to the tip of Egypt. Come on, Africa shall be saved. And for years, it's like, even with nobody believing him, he'd go around saying, Africa shall be saved. Can I say, guys, so often we're looking at our children and we're seeing, we're like the 10 spies. Everything we see is true. Everything we see is accurate. Everything we see is a perfect description of where they are at, but we're not looking at them through the eyes of inheritance. And there's something powerful about standing in the Spirit, standing above your family and saying they'll all be saved. 
All my children are taught of the Lord. Great will be their peace and their undisturbed composure. I've raised them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they are old, they shall not depart from it. Hallelujah. Glory. Come on, this is so simple today, I know. But I, I think God wants to flood our heart with, with hope, with expectation. I think there's something about a man or woman of hope can look at any circumstance, any situation, and say, this is going to be great. God's going to do something here. Mm. I don't know what the, why I remember this. But I remember years ago, um, in, I, I'm living in France at the time, and I used to preach in Belgium about four times a year, and it was about a 10-hour drive from the south of France to Belgium. And once I'm, I'm about to leave Leah and the kids, young, just the two younger kids at the time, drive to Belgium to preach for about a week. And I was waiting for my tax bill from the French government. And just as I'm about to drive away, the, po- the, la post, the postman comes with a thing with a tax bill. And it's got this big red, like, open immediately. Great. And I, I just threw this thing on the passenger seat of my car. I drove halfway across France with this unopened letter. And I had a miserable drive. I drove for probably six hours. And all the way up there, this letter is speaking to me more than God did, more than my cassette player did. You know, it was 20 years. More than anything did. All I'm doing is looking at this red and in my mind, this great big tax bill, and I don't have money, and how am I going to pay it, and all that, and just... And suddenly, halfway there, I'm on the highway, and the Lord just shouted at me. And he's like, stop! I mean, I pulled into a rest area. I had the Lord rebuke me. Do you know what the Lord said to me? Something, and I was crying. He said, I was looking forward to this drive with you. I wanted to have fellowship with you. I wanted to share things. I wanted to drop things in your heart for you to share in Belgium. I just wanted you to enjoy this trip. Do you know God enjoys spending time with his children? And it's like the Lord said, instead of spending time with me, fellowshipping with me, that silly letter from Les Ampos in Paris, you know, the French IRS, is speaking to you more. And, and I felt the Lord say, I want you to get out of your car, take that letter, put it in the grass outside, and start dancing on it. I stopped, and I, I'm right outside of a police station as well, the gendarmes, they call them in France. And I'm going, Lord, like... What if this policeman comes out and sees me stamping on a tax bill? I, I, I don't know how the French are going to take that. I just want the Lord to say, obey. And I got out, and of course, it starts raining when I get out of my car, and I felt like, right, Charlie. I'm putting my tax bill on the floor. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A little Pentecostal two-step, you know. Um, and it just felt good. Come on, it just felt good. And then I got back in my car and driving away, and I'm, yeah. And, and then the Lord said, why don't you open it? It was wet and soggy and had mud on it right now. I opened it. There was a big tax rebate. It was great. It was the biggest, the, the, the most amount of money I've ever got back from a French government. You know, they never give tax rebates there. And I got one. It was you know, about four or 5,000 euros, which for me was a lot of money at the time, and uh, it's great. All the rest of the journey, I'm like, oh, in the glory of God. Come on. Can I, can I tell you this, guys? Catch this one in your heart. Here's another key to catch. God will put you through circumstances to expose your heart. If you have a heart of a... It's interesting. Everything the ten spies said was true. Agreed? They didn't lie. 
Everything, they didn't exaggerate. Everything they said was 100% accurate. If they would have gone in with like a little, you know, camera like the cops were these days and played the camera for the children of Israel, everybody would have gone, yes, wall cities, giants, whatever. They presented a report that was 100% truthful, and yet when God came, God said, it's evil. Your report is evil. How can something be evil if it's 100% true? Because it contradicted God's Word. What they saw was factual, but what they saw wasn't the truth. This was the truth. The Lord had already said to Abraham, look, I have given you the land. It was already God's land. Would it have been easier to take the land if it was a land of pygmies? Who lived in wigwams? Or you might, it doesn't matter how strong the opposition is against us. What matters is, is God for us. And the Lord looked at that report and he said, it's an evil. And he's like, I don't want to hear your report. Can I, can I say this lovingly and respectfully? Sometimes doctors can say things which are true, but they're not truth. I was watching a powerful video yesterday from Andrew Warmack's ministry about a, about a guy. He's a Christian, part of a church, and he, you know, one day had a little growth on his chest, and it began growing. And this is actually, forgive me, it's pretty graphic on the video. This guy filmed himself every week or so. He ended up having this massive growth, like the size of his whole chest. I mean, turn to your neighbor and go, yuck, yuck, yuck. I mean, it was like this massive tumor growth thing consuming his whole chest. And then he got a book from Andrew Walmack on called You've Already Got It, that Jesus already did it. And he, he'd kind of grown up in a church that says, God could heal maybe one day, someday. If you need. And, you know, you pray, but you never quite know. And he suddenly realized, I don't need God to do something. He did everything at Calvary. And every day he'd begin getting his Bible out, reading that book, and go into those scriptures and say, Lord, this is true, but it's not truth. This is true, but this is truth. This can change, this can't change. This can pass away. Heaven and earth can pass away. My word will never pass away. And he actually filmed this over a period of days as this growth was from and literally disappeared. This guy's a really great teacher. I've been listening to him recently and uh, Come on, God's word works. And I can see Joshua and Caleb for 40, excuse my Britishness, flipping years because of the unbelief of others sitting there looking at the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, they were probably, anybody, did anybody ever watch the Muppet show back in the day? Do you remember the two old guys in the Muppet? Come on, you do. You know you do. Sitting in the thanks like, I'm going to get my inheritance. One day somebody, you're 80, you're about to die. I'm not dying. I'm, I've got a mountain. I've got a mountain. Every time I walk past Leah, I go, climb every mountain. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Leah has a map on her wall now of New Hampshire. She's like, give me that mountain. And uh, I like different kinds of mountains. But God, I want to tell you this, guys. God's got a mountain with your name on it. And don't, don't compare yourself with somebody else. If, if bringing up amazing children and seeing them flourish with God, there's no greater call on planet Earth than that. Don't measure your call with somebody else. Compare yourself. Don't, don't ever look at that. When this, isn't an, this isn't a competition race. Jesus gives you your inheritance, but there should be that violent spirit within us that says, the Lord has given me my inheritance, and I want it. Ask me, and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. Hallelujah. 
Come on, we're going to continue with this next week, but I really want you to see this. When God shows us something, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. Come on, I'll just quote it for the sake of time. But he said, he said I pray that God will open the eyes of your understanding, your inner man. He'll show you three things. The hope of your calling. The riches of the glories of your inheritance in the saints. And then the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. We in the church, we love saying we want the power. Send your power. Do you know the power of God is not the issue? His power is here. Holy Spirit's here. Do you know what the church needs? We need some hope. We need, uh, Paul, Paul wrote in Philippians, and he said, yeah, I'm in prison, but this will turn according to my earnest expectation and the supply of the Spirit of God. God needs people possessed by hope. The person with the most hope is the person with the most influence. Do you know, I believe God wants believers to have hope for America. I've got hope for America. Now, is Jesus coming back? Yeah, I don't know when, but until he does, I, I think I want to see this nation alive and flourishing and blessed and righteous. M maybe, maybe, forgive me for saying this, but maybe some of you have been here so long you're okay with this. I'm still getting used to America, and I don't like it when people constantly criticize America. Now, are they right? Are there bad things? Yes, they're like the 10 spies. Of course, there are bad things in America. But, you know, one of the biggest problems in America is most Americans have never left America. Leave, go somewhere else for a few weeks, come back, and you will kiss the floor of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and here's my point. Of course, there are bad things and things we want to change and fight and, and, and keep pressing into freedom and love and declaring war and racism and lots of other things. But let's, let's not be like, oh, we can't do this. Let's be like, look, God, you can do that. We are salt and light. We want to be your children in the midst of all of the perversion we see out there, loving and proclaiming grace and mercy, not calling down fire and trying to burn the nation, but trying to say, Lord, set a fire in us that will set a fire in this nation. Hallelujah. And I, I want to pray today that we will be possessed with hope. I feel I've got more hope than I've ever had in my life. I feel like I'm looking at this year going like, yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Come on, are there going to be battles? Yes, but that means there are going to be victories. Yeah. Every strategy and plan that Satan has formed against you will not prosper this year if you believe God. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll always be one step ahead of him anyway. Come on, everything you need this year, God has already seen. He's already planned it. He's already made provision for it before the foundation of the world. He's got those things worked out. Do you know what's a real blessing to me, guys, is I don't have to work out the plan of God. I just have to walk, and He's going to direct my steps. He's not asking us to figure this all out and make something happen on our own. He's asking us to walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to encourage you today, don't be one of those 10 spies. Come on, I'll, I'll finish with this, but Isaiah 53 is a passage many people know and love, obviously. Speaks about the, prophetically about the sacrifice of Jesus. Does anybody know without looking the first verse in Isaiah 53? It's not a trick question. 
It's, it's a question. It says this. Who has believed our report? And then there's a second question, which is linked with the first one. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Two questions. Who has believed God's report? And to whom, to which person does the hand of God, the arm, the strong arm of God get revealed? Could I suggest to you the answer to question what two is found in question one? God shows his mighty arm to the people who believe his report. If you want to see the power of God, the arm of God, the provision of God, believe his report. Amen? Come on, every day, let's not, let's not look out the window. Let's not look at the news. Let's not look at a horoscope. God help you. Let, let's open God's Word and say, I wonder what kind of day I'm going to have. Oh, yeah. I wonder what, what, wonder what the economy is going to be like this. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. I wonder what my health's going to be like. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if I'm going to be a lost puppy. That, oh, I'm a child of God. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. I wonder if bad things, oh, all things are going to work together for my good because I love God and I'm the call according to His purpose. Come on. And I, I just want to pray right now that we, our holy imaginations will get flooded with inheritance. Let's be a people where everywhere we look, we see inheritance. Everywhere we look, thank you, Jesus. When it came time for Joshua to enter into the promised land, again, God parted the river Jordan. Then he said to Joshua, look, from the river to the sea. People are quoting that to, to say, from the river to the sea will drive Israel out. No, God's the one who said, from the river to the sea, I will give the seed of Abraham this land. And the Lord said to Joshua, you look from the great river to the great sea, this is all your inheritance. But you only get the part you put your foot on. And I think the first step is to see our inheritance. And then next week, we're going to talk about possessing our inheritance. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you and we bless you. And Lord, I just thank you for the, thank you for the things which are represented in this room. Thank you, Lord. There are people called to the mission field in this room. There are people called to change lives in this room. There are people called to be men and women of influence in the lives of others. There are people called to write books in this room. There are people called to, to cause breakthrough in this room. There are people called to invent things, to start businesses that will make a way. Lord, there are, there are all kind of wonderful callings. Some we see, some we don't. And Father, deliver us from the small thinking of the world. Deliver us from being impressed with the strength of the enemy. Let us be impressed with our God. Through our God, we'll run through a troop and jump over a wall. Through our God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will break down the enemy before us. They'll come at us one way, they'll flee at us seven ways. And Lord, I pray that we'll be a people possessed by promise, possessed by hope, possessed by inheritance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Bless you guys. Hey, we're going to have our prayer team out here in a moment. If anybody like any prayer, I know we have some food. Thank you, Mark and Gail, for doing that in the cafe. And we're going to have a meeting in about 10 minutes in the cafe just for anybody uh, who wants to be involved or anybody who is involved in that 24-7 worship thing. We'd love to have a chat with you about a future event. Though. So do stay. Have some fellowship. If you're new here, the cafe is downstairs. Just head out that way. Either of the stairs will get you there. And if you need to run, we love you. 
Have a wonderful week in Jesus' name.